Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz going to San Antonio and get a win. That's seven straight on the road for the Jazz. They're now 12-2 and two in their last 14 games. They've won 12 out of 14, and they did it without Donovan Mitchell. He was back in uh, Utah on social media and joined himself during the game. You can check out Donovan Mitchell's Twitter handle and... Uh, and enjoy all his comments during the game. I think Quinn liked what he saw. I think the Jazz defended well, held him to 43 points in the first half, held him to uh, 70 points through three quarters. Spurs got loose a little bit in garbage time, but I thought it was a pretty good defensive effort from the Jazz, and I thought the Jazz did a great job. And tonight, the three-pointer really wasn't falling. They made nine of them. They got to the free throw line. They got a lot of layups. They got a lot of dunks. They got a lot of stuff inside of five feet. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was particularly elusive, finishing with 23 points in the game, but there were dunks for uh, Bogey in transition. There were dunks for Rudy Gay in transition. In the half court, there were alley-oop lobs for Gobert and for Hassan Whiteside. Whiteside with another strong game off the bench. 13 points and eight rebounds in just 19 minutes. He has given the Jazz exactly what they need when Rudy Gobert sits down. Hassan Whiteside, man, that was, that was a good pickup in the offseason. If he keeps doing this, people are going to be very happy because he's playing at a pretty high level right now. So the Jazz get the win, and now they will move on to Portland for a game Wednesday night before they come back home, New Year's Eve against Minnesota, and New Year's night against the Golden State Warriors. That's what we need, right? A massive game in the NBA. Warriors have the best record in the NBA. Suns lost last night. So Suns are now second, a game behind the Warriors, and the Jazz are third, three behind the Warriors, two behind the Suns. Uh, And the Jazz will play the Warriors New Year's night right after the Rose Bowl because we need those things back-to-back. The Rose Bowl news is that four Ohio State starters are going to opt out of this game and get ready for the NFL. There's not that much getting ready to do. By getting ready for the NFL, that, that means try to stay healthy for the NFL and not get hurt playing in the Rose Bowl and cost yourself millions and millions of dollars. They're going to miss two of their three star starting wide receivers. They got three guys combined who've uh, gone for like 3,200 yards receiving or something obscene like that. So uh, the guy who impresses me the most, Olave, is out. But they're missing two of the three wide receivers. They're missing a starting offensive lineman and a starting defensive lineman. And the offensive lineman's a tackle. So uh, that, that's a hit. That, that is quite the hit. We'll get more on this uh, coming up in what is trending one hour from now. But the Buckeyes down four guys. Now, what they lose in talent may pick up an enthusiasm. You know, just the Jazz miss Mitchell. And I think everyone was a little more dialed in for the Jazz. Got the Jazz best effort. And I think it's clear that in losses to the Magic and to the Pacers and to the Pelicans um, and, and really to the Spurs 10 days ago, 11 days ago, uh, the Jazz didn't give their best effort. They weren't dialed in. They weren't focused. But you miss somebody. In the case of Ohio State, you miss four guys. Uh, the other guys get dialed in. And the guys who step in, they're not going to be disappointed to play in the Rose Bowl. They're going to be pumped to play. Now, maybe they aren't quite as good. They certainly aren't as experienced. Uh, but the thing about Ohio State is they recruit a lot of four- and five-star guys. So I don't want to say that they don't have talent. They certainly don't have experience. <clears throat> And maybe that talent isn't as polished, isn't as trained, and can't play to the same level. But there's still talent, there's still size, there's still speed. So, all right, more on that coming up. DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. We talked to him in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday. Uh, so some of the jazz stats are off. At that point, they'd won 11 of 13. Now they've won 12 of 14. But you get the bigger picture stuff. Here's Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. All right, Steve. Jazz fans have one worry at the front of their brain right now. Donovan Mitchell missing a road trip. Two games. 
Lower back strain. Now he was playing and dunking and looking good in the last game, but he was also wincing, jogging up and down the court and was getting treatment both back in the locker room and on the bench for his back. And it's only two games right now. They have made no announcements one way or another about what will happen when they play Minnesota home on Friday. With what you know about back injuries and what you know about basketball players, how concerned should Jazz fans be? Yeah, back injuries are no fun. They're especially when you, as we get older, and I'm much older than Donovan Mitchell, but uh, they're just nagging and they require constant care. And I'm sure he's going to get that um, with therapy and all the different things that they do. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's aggravating. It's just, it impacts your shot. It impacts, you're just kind of, I've always have it on your mind. So I'm hopeful that it's not going to be anything long-term, but it, you know, this has been a season of protocols and injury. I, I don't ever remember more people being out of games over extended periods of time than, than this year. And obviously COVID has a big, it plays a big part in it too as well, but injuries have happened as well. And, and, when you're not playing and you try to come back too quick, that can be hazardous. And so hopefully Donovan gets healthy. And, you know, the road trip they've got, Spurs are playing pretty good. I mean, they've, uh, they're 3-0 and the last three games. They beat the Clippers who were down. I mean, you start looking at people's wins, and it's hard to tell whether they're quality wins or not when there uh, is so much, so many players out because of COVID protocol. But uh, the Lakers, who are horrible, uh, got destroyed by San Antonio, and then the Spurs beat Pistons. So they're they're coming off of three good wins. Murray obviously is is solid. Pirtle coming, you know, kind of a Utah guy there. White McDermott. They've got San Antonio's got guys that can play. They're playing together. Obviously, got a great coach. So going on a road and playing San Antonio is not going to be easy, especially when they're playing with so much confidence, and and they don't have a, a lot of guys missing. So that will be a tough that will be a tough ball game, and. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, Portland seems to be really up and down. Uh, and the Wolves, same thing. I mean, on a given, given night, depending on who's healthy and who isn't. But this is going to be a, a bit of a challenge. They'll have the Timberwolves at home, I think, uh, later in the week. But, you know, if uh, Lillard gets hot and Nurkic plays well, I mean, those, those are two games they can go and lose if uh, they don't pay attention. But they're certainly capable of beating both those teams, even without Donovan Mitchell, but they're going to have to step up and play. You look at some of the Jazz games here in recent weeks, they've lost to some teams that are inferior. And then even in some times of the wins, particularly uh, Dallas at Christmas night, the, the Mavericks are woefully shorthanded. The Jazz get down by 16. They come back and win the game. There's so many games that you play in the NBA. From a coaching standpoint, how do you know when to step on them, so to speak? Or how do you handle, I don't want to say lackadaisical efforts, but you're not playing at your best, but it's still December and you still got so many games to go in terms of you know, how much do you get on them? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And I, I think in college where oftentimes we don't play nearly as many games, uh, we, we tend to – there seems to be more of a sense of urgency. I think, I think in the NBA, you recognize – especially this year, uh, with all the issues health-wise and injury-wise and things that are going on, uh, that you, I think you have to be, remain pretty level-headed here. And I think you just – if you're really transparent with your players – and you have that kind of relationship, and I know the Jazz have that kind of culture and relationship. 
I mean, you can talk through these things. And then there are times you need to get into guys when guys aren't giving effort and guys aren't prepared mentally. They're not t- taking care of their bodies like they need. But the Jazz are not a team that has a history of that. Uh, however, here, here's what's interesting. And I, I started thinking, I had a conversation with a guy the other day, and, and, and they go, how, how can this team lose to this team? And first of all, everybody in that league can play. And I, I think we underestimate if we don't see the star power and we don't know their names and we don't know where they went to school and they don't have a history, we just assume they can't play. There aren't, There's nobody in the NBA that can't play. And given an opportunity, they can go for 20 on a given night. And, and especially guys like that, which is happening all the time. Like every day you read, you read a game, a guy comes out averaging 4.7, goes for 26. And... I don't think they're. I don't think it's so much among the players. It could be a little bit, but for the fan base, you know, fan base can't figure this out. I mean, you know, because normally in a collegiate team, you got seven or eight guys, and the rest of the guys are just there to support the camp play. You know, I don't know what's the number now, sixteen or seventeen that you can carry on a roster in the NBA. And the fact is, those fourteenth and fifteenth guys are chomping at the bit to get in the game. No pressure on them, and and they wouldn't be in that roster unless they could play. Now they're not superstars. But guys can play in that league. And just because we don't know their names and we don't remember them seeing them playing. So I think it's probably more a fan-based issue than it is. I'm pretty sure that coaches do a good job of understanding. But even as players, I think when you see six or seven guys missing, there's a mindset that changes a little bit. And as a coach, man, you've got to really work on that. Because all of a sudden, you know, you're down 14, you're down 15, and now everybody's got to – you know, get reset, and we got to do a mental reset. We got to do a physical reset. Okay, we got to get back into this game. And there have just been so many games where teams that you never think would win games would because of all uh, the issues of missing players. But uh, it would be foolhardy to think. I'm not, especially talking to fans. Just because you don't know them doesn't mean you go read their bios and they average 26 a game in college or they played in Europe. Uh, I, I think that's one thing that keeps the, the fans. They, they have a hard time dealing with that. Like, how, how can that happen? They're, down, they're missing the three top scorers. How could they win a game? How could San Antonio go in and just blow out the Lakers? Well, the Lakers being dysfunctional at all, but that's not a game that San Antonio probably should have gone and blown them out. And so, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's an issue. I, I think as a coaching staff, um, it's a long season. You know, there's a lot of really great coaches in this league. I think guys are most concerned. Things I'm reading now, I've never read before in the paper. Effort. I, I can't tell you how many times now head coaches have come out and just disgusted with the effort, disgusted with the competitiveness. Well, a lot of that lends itself to guys missing, uh, being very inconsistent, guys getting in new roles, and, and when you're playing a, maybe even a different position than you normally play, it, it, it impacts confidence and it impacts effort. And those are the things you can control. You can control effort. And, but, if, you know, guys sitting there knocking shots, contesting shots now, you just do what you can do. But things like effort, attitude, being in the gym early, you're seeing more of that creeping out in the media now and hearing about it. And, and I'm sure it's aligned a lot with, with all the health protocols and everything going on. But still, uh, it, it's, it's a tough time right now. I mean, these guys are making lots of money and they got the greatest jobs in the world. But it, it is a very, very complex uh, atmosphere within the whole NBA itself. I mean, just never knowing who's going to play on any given night. And that sometimes lends itself to inconsistent play. And that's why the Jazz and 
Golden State and, you know, Phoenix teams that night in and night out haven't had to deal with a lot of protocol issues and they've stayed consistent. And those are, you know, your three best teams probably in the, in the NBA right now. So besides the fact they have good coaching and really good players. And I think that's what it comes down to for a lot of Jazz fans because if you ask Jazz fans, and for that matter, if you ask me, they're not passing the eyeball test. I think they're much better than they look uh, in in the games they lose, and they're much better than they look in stretches of games they're winning. But then you turn around, Steve, they're 11-2 in the last 13 games. <laughs> I mean, that is awesome. That is a clip you would take that. Hey, Quinn, you want to win 11 in the next 13? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll sign off on that right now. So, But I think it comes down to that the Warriors and Suns are playing at a 65-win pace, and everybody wants the Jazz to win a championship. So as good as the Jazz look, they don't pass the eyeball test on what a championship team should look like. And it's only December, so you can't win the title anyway. But I think that's where the angst comes from. Yeah, and, and, and I think anytime people don't understand things, I'm talking about the public now, and there's a lot of things they don't understand what's going on and the, the preparation and the health protocols and the injuries. You know, we all get a little bit fearful about our team. You know, Mike, you know, the, it's a panic button. What's going on, you know? And, and everybody's kind of losing their minds. But at the end of the day, the thing that those three teams all have is they have continuity in coaches, they have continuity in a system, they have continuity in guys that get along with each other. And let, let's not forget that when you're playing three games a week, I, I know they're professionals, they're in great shape, but that does take a toll on your body. And, and who, you know, we don't know about all the sicknesses and the little dings and little injuries. You only hear about serious stuff. But every guy out there, but the Jazz, he's dealing with something. It's a tweaked knee, it's a calf muscle, it's, he's, he's had a cold for two weeks. You know, and, and we look at them and just being such amazing athletes and specimens and capable of doing anything, but all that stuff's going on. And, and, and plus the fact they have lives at home and with wives and children and kids and extended family and all the pressures that go with that. So, yeah, sometimes we, we're not real patient. But uh, I think Utah's in a, in a great position. And you know what? Having Donovan, if Donovan misses a game or two, what a great opportunity for somebody else to step up and, and have that kind of growth and have that kind of opportunity. I don't know who that'll be, but it's, I don't know if they're the most experienced team in the league in terms of time together, but they got to be one of the most. So I just I think that the one thing the Jazz have, besides having a great culture, good staff and everything, they, they've got guys that have been in the league that aren't going to overreact and panic. And so as a fan, I, I would, my suggestion to the fans is you don't need to panic. You know, you keep loving your team, keep being upset when they don't play well, all those things that fans get to do. But I think the Jazz are in a really, really good position. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got a situation where they, they can win all of these games. I mean, there's no question. I, I, this San Antonio game will be really, really difficult uh, because they're just playing with so much confidence. And, and most people in America couldn't name the starters. You know, and, and so it's it's not a team of a bunch of names. Uh, you know, maybe Murray, Dr. Murray is probably the most famous guy. Utah people recognize Pirtle. You know, the rest the rest of the country has no idea who's playing for San Antonio, but they've come in here three and zero and and playing well. So don't be surprised if you know Jazz going to have to play well to beat San Antonio in San Antonio. There's no question about it. 
So I think you're trying to put out a message that says stay the course, but yet I know yeah. that Danny Ainge is over there. And he's <laughs> not necessarily prone to stay the course. What's your gut tell you about what he might do? You know, I, I know him as a really, really competitive person in all things in life. Okay, that's just that's his that's in his DNA. Uh, but I also know that he has been at the very highest of highs in that league as a player, as a in, you know, a GM, and all the things that come with that. But uh, I, I think he's going to bring great energy. I think he'll have ideas. They'll be fresh and new ideas because you're always looking for those kinds of things. But and I think he'll have a real positive influence. But I think he'll watch his step. I, I think he knows that even though he's certainly very, very, very qualified, they hired him to get his ideas and thoughts. And it's, it's, a, it's a guy that's got so much in his brain about this game and about coaching it and about managing it and doing all those things that he's going to get asked all the time. But I, I, I see Danny being a voice of reason. Uh, but I also see him being a guy that believes that there isn't anything this team can't do. I mean, that's one of the things in being around Danny is, is and I'm not close friends with Danny Ainge. I've obviously been around him a number of times. But he, he has a vision. Uh, you know, he, he, he's really good about uh, sharing that vision and helping people understand how they can accomplish things. He's very articulate that way. But I also don't see him being, coming in there and, and, and being real demonstrative and all of a sudden being the loudest voice in, in the organization. I, I just, I, I, that would shock me. But that being said, uh, I, I think from ownership to coaches and everybody, everybody believes in that organization they can win an NBA championship. And so that's sometimes going to require, you know, it might be fixed through the draft. It might be fixed through skill development. It might be fixed through schemes. It might be fixed through an attitude adjustment, culture things. I don't know. I mean, the Jazz seem really sound to me. And it seems like they've taken care of business at about every level. Uh, but... Injury here or there, no Donovan Mitchell. If you didn't have Donovan Mitchell for three or four weeks, it changes things. Guys, other guys have to step up, and uh, and that's what's happening on every other team. We, you know, it's easy to point, but there's been a lot of teams that had eight, nine, ten guys in health protocols. Wow, that's hard to win games with that many guys out and that many new players. And you know, we've got these ten day guys coming in. I mean, it's just uh, you can't keep track of everybody anymore. That continuity thing you, you were talking about it really goes out the window when you lose 10 guys. <laughs> yes. Thanks, no, thanks for that. Hey, I wanted to ask you. Know Go ahead. I wanted to ask you about uh, BYU going out to Hawaii, going two and one. Uh, obviously, uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. They had no way to keep him away from the rim. Goes back to losing the two big guys. Possibly, uh, what kind of a ceiling does that put on BYU basketball? How much can they adjust to that down the line? Well, I, I think I thought first of all, uh, and I watched those games. It, it kind of interesting that they didn't have a championship thing because yeah. of protocols. That's another thing that's probably never happened before. You know, I, I, I think the one thing that BYU is missing, obviously, is a presence inside. Now, I, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce his name well, but the Traore kid uh, from Mali, a freshman, six six. He might only be six five. I mean, he. He is such a load in there, and he continues to get better. Gideon George, who has a little bit of size, is getting better. Loner, you know, Loner had – he continues to be really consistent. I, I kind of thought a year ago that his ceiling would be much higher at this point in time. Offensively, I thought he could take over games. Uh, 
Uh, and the, and the one thing that BYU, the four guards, I mean, Nell and Spencer Johnson, the two kids that can shoot it, and, and, and having Alex Marcello and having two point guards, uh, you're, you're in a situation where they're really good against teams that have athleticism and quickness because they match up. And, and sometimes you'd rather not play smaller teams because it really stretches the floor. But I think that there are going to be times that they're going to miss Howard. They're going to miss uh, Baxter because they don't have that presence at the rim. But Priori is just an absolute beast inside, and he's just getting better every day. But it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. And I look at BYU, and you're, you're talking USF has a really good team this year. I've watched them play just because they played a couple of California teams. Like Gonzaga, we obviously know is good. St. Mary's is kind of what they always are, and BYU. So there's not a lot of stuff. Even Santa Clara is a little bit better this year. So there's a little more depth. The bottom of the bottom of the WCC is not great, but uh, this you know BYU needs to win the games that they're supposed to win, and uh, and I'm and I, I like watching BYU play, uh, but but it's one of those things that it's difficult to score inside, and uh, and I think because there's a presence there, and defensively, I think you know that game the, the adjustments you know. He scored his last. He scored the last 16 points in that game, uh, in that game. So you know, just making those kind of adjustments, having people at the rim, it was fun games to watch. I thought Vanderbilt ran good stuff, and uh, they, they did a lot of you know. There was a little bit of Princeton, a little bit of Air Force stuff. Uh, they were really intellectually and just to watch conceptually. I love watching them play, but you know, BYU had obviously had an opportunity to win that game and. There were some fouls at the end, maybe that weren't called. But you don't have a, a, a lot of significant scoring, guys that can just take over games. Marcello can do that. Marcello can do that. But the other guys are kind of more role guys that knock trees down when they're open. I, I will say this for, for BYU. They continue to defend, and, and their game plans are always really, really solid. And, uh, and they, they're going to keep themselves in every game just because they can really guard and they play hard. But – they, I'm, you know, in terms of winning the WCC without those two bigs, in terms of, you know, getting into the NCAA tournament, I think they can get into the NCAA tournament, but I don't think they can do it if they've got five or six losses. So they're going to need to beat everybody they're supposed to beat. Gonzaga is Gonzaga. Uh, we'll see what San Francisco's like and how good they really are. But I do like the toughness of this group. They're always together. Uh, it was it was kind of just a strange thing to watch that tournament and not see a championship game. But Scottie Pippen Jr., he's pretty good. And uh, I didn't know a lot about him until I watched the tournament. And I really like Vanderbilt. And uh, I just like the stuff they ran. And it, it's just, it, was, it wasn't so consistent with, because we're in a, collegiate basketball, is, it's, everything's about, you know, the dribble and it's, it's very little post-up stuff. Very little uh, kind of screening action for guys. Everything comes off the dribble and how people read it and react to it and whether we penetrate and whatever else we do with it. So it's fun to watch Vanderbilt do things a little bit differently. I enjoy watching their team play. Uh, but BYU saw it. I mean, they don't, they, they don't typically beat themselves. And I, I think they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. But it's not going to be easy because conference play is always more difficult. But I do like the toughness of BYU's team. I mean, they they, they got tough guys. And they're, they're going to, they got mentally tough and physically tough guys. They just don't have the size they've had in the past. 
Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again in a week. All right, guys. Have a good one. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, the best of the postgame show. Stay with us. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get it done. They get the win in San Antonio. That is seven in a row. Let's check in with the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz win over the Spurs. 110 to 104. No Donovan Mitchell, no problem. Jazz got a big night out of Jordan Clarkson off the bench. 29 points, 8 boards, 5 assists, and a steal. For Jordan Clarkson, the Jazz had six players in double figures. Bogdanovich with 19, Rudy Gobert 16, 13, and three blocks. Uh, uh, Joe Ingles stepped into the starting lineup for Donovan Mitchell. He had 17, 3, and 3. Whiteside with 13 uh, coming in off the bench. Conley had 12 in this one, but the Jazz come away with the win. Let's get to some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Coach, can you um, you know expand on... Uh, you guys effort defensively, just especially since the uh, the start of the second quarter, uh, you guys were able to lock lock down, get stops. What were you doing uh, correctly? What did you want to see? Um, uh, what do you want to see in the future? Kind of keep improving. Well, I think you know some of the some of the actions that they were playing out of, whether it was pick and roll, you know, or, or you know dribble handoffs. Uh, they really cut with a lot of force. And, you know, I, I thought earlier in the game, you know, when they turned the corner, th- those looks were too open. Um, and a lot of that had had to do with our aggressiveness switching, you know, our aggressiveness up on the ball and just competing. I thought, you know, we raised our level. I thought b- both Hassan and Rudy, you know, switching on to some of those drivers, um, is important and makes those shots hard. And then, you know, from the weak side, we started to pull in and, and help on the glass. If they're going to do that, we really have to have their back on the glass because you know, it can be frustrating for those guys to come give help and then see their man, you know, get an offensive rebound. But, you know, I think we had, you know, a stretch during that time too where, we really were good in transition. You know, they, they do an excellent job of pushing the ball up the court and we didn't allow them, you know, to get those early threes. I, I think when, you know, they really cut into the lead, you know, that that's where it came from. It came from transition threes where we weren't quite as, as sharp getting back. So, you know, that's going to continue to be important for us, whether it be, you know, getting back in transition and communicating. Um, and then also, you know, defending those actions and, you know, really making sure that we're able to close possessions because when we, when we close a possession, particularly with a, a guard rebound off a drive, it gives us an opportunity to get out the other way. Quinn, uh, what would you say would be the, the next development that you'd like to see from Trent? Well, you know, I think with Trent, you know, there's – like any young player, there's certain things, um, you know, that you want to work on. They're going to, they're going to impact, you know, your performance, um, in the role that you have currently. And then there's other things that you continue to work on, um, to continue to develop, um, that are things that maybe you're not asked to do, you know, in the moment. Uh, but, are also going to be important. So 
his ability to drive the ball, you know, I think for him to continue to do that, particularly, you know, if people are going to go under on him in pick and roll at times, he can get a rescreen and still get to the paint and find people. Um, defensively, I just want him to keep doing what he's doing. I mean, he, he's, he's unique defensively with his length and also with his instincts. Um, and then, you know, we want him to keep shooting the ball with confidence. And that's something that, you know, he gets a ton of reps on that and, and that's going to continue to be something he works on. And, um, but he does have the ability, you know, even if people are closing out short, uh, you know, to, to get by and to get in the lane and he's so poised in the lane. So, um, I guess more of the same and like a lot of our guys, I think, you know, the more reps you get, the more time you're in the league, you know, you've seen that with Royce, you've seen it with Joe, um, you know, your, your shooting continues to improve as you work on it. And, you know, you take game shots and you get reps. So, you know, that's something obviously that, that we talk to him about and he's aware of and he's working on. Uh, Quinn, when Jordan was as frustrated as he is with, you know, kind of the, the fan, the, the refereeing, what do you do as a coach to kind of either calm him down or get him back in the game? I mean, kind of what, what's your role there? Well, you know, they had that, the one situation, you know, where someone was saying some things to them that, that you know, let's just say they weren't appropriate. And, you know, you're always appreciative when you're on the road and, you know, the home team and security, you know, protects your players in that respect. And, and that's what happened. I think, you know, once those things get handled, it's easier for a player just to move on and, um, you know, he plays with a lot of emotion, you know, a lot of passion. Um, and I, I think, frankly, you know, he's a guy that, you know, when some of those things do happen, you know, he's able to settle himself. And uh, but again, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing him over and taking a deep breath or just getting to the next play, um, it's something that, that I think because of the way that he plays, um, he finds himself in those situations a lot, not just um, from something externally from a fan or from an opponent, but he's so competitive and demands so much of himself um, that his ability to, you know, not rush and not get too down on himself. Um, if a shot doesn't go in, it's something, you know, that he's aware of. And um, as I said, I, I don't want him to, to compromise his passion in any way. And, you know, I think he does a really good job of that, you know, and, and one thing is just that we talk about is just, you know, throwing yourself into the defense and, you know, throwing yourself opportunities on the offensive boards and, you know, creating for his teammates. And those are kind of go-to things to him or for him, I should say that, you know, that really have an impact on the game and help our team. You just nine made threes tonight, just 31 attempts tonight. Um, what was working for you guys so well inside the arc on this occasion? Well, you know, I, we talked about that after the game. I, I think, you know, different teams are going to provide, um, you know, different opportunities and different reads. And, you know, they've been a team that's been very committed to not allowing our bigs to, to get behind them where we have, you know, anything at the rim. Um, and then they're really staying with shooters. So when you do get in the paint, you know, some of the traditional things we're looking for, whether it's a lob, you know, or a kick out for a three, those are the things they're taking away. Um, and it puts us in a position where, you know, there's more space in the lane for guys, 
to finish. And then just a real emphasis on, you know, what we call feet and fakes. She's playing off two feet, um, having poise to ball fake and move people around, you know, and not have to commit too soon when you get in the lane, which is, you know, a lot easier for me to say that than for a player out there that's attacking with such force and speed, you know, to have that level of poise and control. Um, but that that's what we saw tonight. And, you know, that's where, you know, the majority of our buckets came from is attacking the paint and, and obviously having some success getting to the line as well. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team wins on the road 110 to 104 over the San Antonio Spurs. Let's uh, move on to the players. Here's Rudy Gobert. Hey, Rudy. Uh, first off, you know, congratulations. Uh, top 50 NBA history and blocks. What is, you know, accomplishing that sort of achievement? What does that mean to you? I mean, thank you. That's about um I mean, it's it's great, you know. I would, but uh, growing up, I would have never thought that, you know, my name would be would be up there. So it's, uh, you know, looking looking back at the journey and, you know, all the uh, all the hard work and you know the dedication and you know being able to, you know, be mentioned with all those great names. It's uh, it's amazing, and uh, you know, it's only going up from here. So it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a great blessing. Eric Walden. Hey, Rudy. So once again, against the Spurs, you guys have kind of a quiet night from three-point range. What was working so well at the rim and, and inside the arc for you guys tonight? The, the, the whole game plan is to take away, try to take away our threes, you know, so uh, they just force us to play a little more of the two-on-two situation and uh, force our guys into you know, taking that, you know, taking that, that, that little mid-range or that little, that little layup. And, and they force us to, you know, to, to also move the ball and play multiple actions. And I thought we did a great job tonight, you know, attacking on the, uh, moving the ball, driving them. And, uh, you know, every time they collapse, find the open man. And, uh, you know, we were able to score in transition also because of our defense. Fair thought. Uh, yeah, Rudy, um, when you're looking at a guy like Trent, who kind of has to take on a little bit more of an extended role with Donovan being out, what is it that you'd like to see from him uh, more as the as the days go on, as he gets more opportunity? I think just being a, just being a dog defensively, obviously, and, and offensively, just be a, just be a point guard. You know, be be a little more vocal. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to push him to be. You know, to be that that point guard, that, that guy that you know, kind of like uh, organize uh, the game a little bit for us offensively when, when Mike is out, and uh, you know, yeah, just just try to push him, you know, push him to to be that guy, and you know, he's been he's been getting better and better. So you know, every time he steps on the court, he's he's, he's been able to 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 impact the game in a, in a good way, and uh, and you know, and. Uh, Sam is, is only going to get better, so it's exciting. Andy Larson, Rudy, you guys really locked down on the on the rebounds tonight, and then not allowing them any free throws. And and you know that had been a kind of a problem in the last games is that you had given up those easy points. So kind of what was the difference? Um, our discipline was was better. You know, we, I mean, I thought we did a great job showing our hands. You know, not reaching down and. Uh, and we did a, we did a great job running back on in transition for the most part of the game. You know we we didn't allow them to 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 get going with with transition and uh, 
and with offensive rebounds. And we knew that, you know, they 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 have a very athletic team, so they they, they thrive on on those. When they don't get those, you know, we we try to force them into tough shots. Uh, in Utah, they made a lot of tough shots. Tonight, they, they didn't make as much. So, you know, we're about to get those stops. That's Rudy, 16, 13, and 3. And uh, with those three block shots, Rudy moves into the top 50 in all-time blocks in NBA history. So, congratulations to Rudy. Let's now hear from Trent Forrest. Trent, I know, I know that uh, you haven't had time to, like, look at the film or anything yet, but how would you assess how you played tonight? Um, I would say I played, I mean, pretty decent. Um Tried to do kind of what our game plan was. Um, I mean, yeah, that's kind of how I would say I played. I, I played pretty solid um, for the minutes that I, that I was in. Is there anything different that you're told on a night when Donovan Mitchell isn't going to be playing and you're going to get kind of an extended run? Um, no, nah, not really. Um, I mean, kind of just been the same how it is all year. Um I mean, they'll kind of let me know when I'm going in. That's kind of about it. But other than that, everything is kind of the same. Uh, Eric Walton. Trent, what makes the Spurs so good at limiting your guys' number of three-point attempts and kind of what have, what were your counters to that? Yeah. Um, they have big wings, so they can match up with us pretty well. Um, and, I mean, they have a big that's pretty good at kind of playing both on the pick and roll. So I would say um, that was a big part of it is just they knew we were going to try to get the roll and they were staying with Rudy and also long enough to uh, get back to the shooters as well. After the game, Quinn talked about how your defensive feel and kind of how you kind of understand that side of the ball really well. And I'm curious kind of where that came from. You know, was that Florida State or was there a coach there that really helped you or in high school? I mean, kind of where did you kind of learn that defensive feel as, as much as you as you have it? Um, I honestly don't know. I guess it somewhat came natural. And then at Florida State, I mean, we obviously had to play defense there. So um, I would say probably just kind of being in that system and it, somewhat coming natural um just kind of knowing body angles things like that i would say it's probably what helps me the most um so i would say yeah both a little bit of the body angles and just coming through a florida state system where you kind of had to play defense right sarah go ahead a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to Donovan and he was saying that, you know, sometimes he has to tell you, like, be aggressive, go up and actually try to score. Do you do you feel like you're a little bit more passive because, you know, you've got so many weapons around you? Um, Definitely. Um, I mean, it's hard to I'm not going to say make the right decision because, I mean, you have like when I go in, it's usually J.C., Joe, um, Rudy, um, and then either Rudy Gay or Boyan. So it's like, I mean, I could get my own, but at the same time, like, I know I have these guys around me and they're good at what they're doing. They get paid to do that. So, um, I mean, I'm not going, I guess, try to find a happy medium between both of them, but not Don. And a lot of them are always kind of on me about just being more aggressive, trying to get to the basket, things like that. There's Trent Forrest uh, with the absence of Donovan Mitchell. Trent played 20 minutes, uh, came away with four rebounds, a couple of assists, did not score, went 0 for 2. But uh, if Don- Donovan's going to miss tomorrow night's game against Portland, I would imagine Trent uh, gets similar minutes there as it looks like he'll kind of pick those up as uh, the rotation shortens a bit. Let's now wrap things up by hearing from Jordan Clarkson. Hey, JC, can you kind of let us know what happened with that, that fan? 
Uh, I mean, he just was uh, just kept saying stuff, kept saying stuff uh, throughout the whole game. I, I was I usually have like dialogue, playful dialogue with people from the uh, like in the stands, especially like people courtside. Another guy was sitting there doing the same thing, but I knew it wasn't harmful. Uh, but then uh, I guess it was a timeout happened. And, I, you know, the guy just keeps antagonizing me and then, like, almost challenges me, like, what you going to do uh, after, you know, saying a bunch of stuff. Um, but, you know, man, I, I I make money. I ain't trying to lose no money. I'm going to lose more money than he going to lose. He's probably going to get kicked out of the game. Uh, but, you know, it's we playing basketball, uh, having a good time. Fans got to learn. You know, we human. We people, too. Um, you know, you know, stuff like that just can't fly, uh, especially on the NBA floor where, you know, guys are doing their job. It's like somebody coming up to uh, somebody at, like, McDonald's and then they just keep uh, nagging somebody that's that's working the fries. Uh, you just keep keep nagging and keep nagging and you challenge them, like, what you going to do? It's just like, there's no room for that. You know, we, we come here to entertain and uh, play basketball, uh, compete, and uh, put on a show, not not trying to uh, deal with fans and, uh, you know, them being too drunk or being whatever um, at the games, you know, trying to start anything. Did he say something that, like, crossed the line or, you know, was it just kind of like all that, like, challenging you at kind of at the end of the game? Yeah, it, it did cross the line. That's where – I was walking away initially, and then he said something again, and I turned back around, and then he said it again, and I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, but, like, literally, it was a guy sitting right next to him the whole game, saying, doing stuff, doing different stuff, but I knew it was playful. Me and him kept winking at each other, and then, like, but this guy was just a little bit too malicious for whatever he was saying. Uh, at one point, I just kind of just blacked out, and I kind of was taking a step towards him, and... Um, but like I said, man, I don't want no problems with nobody. I'm I'm in the league. I make a lot of money. He ain't going to lose no money. I'm going to end up losing a lot of money, be sitting out games. And the NBA, I lose a meal. I could put that in my, my daughter's pocket and she could go buy a Bugatti or something if, if she wanted to, man. I ain't trying to lose no money. I'm, I'm, I don't want no problems. I ain't got no problems with nobody. So I'm just out here having fun, trying to compete uh, in a safe environment. That's, that's uh, good for us. Quinn was talking about how passionate you are during games and how, you know, kind of competitive you are. And it's funny when you're off the court, you're kind of easygoing guy and on the court, you're, you're really competitive. So how do you balance kind of those sides of your personality and kind of where do you, you know, how do you play the game in, in the most effective way? Um, no, I just got to, it's just, you know, emotion of basketball, just straight passion. You know, I love to play. I love to have fun. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, my personality when I'm on the floor, I'm playing hard. Uh, you know, when stuff on the floor is going crazy, you see me approach refs and everything like tonight, uh, you know, with the, I think it was her first game tonight. You know, a lot of people were giving her stuff, but after the game, I think she did a great job. You know, I went up to her, gave her a hug and, uh, was like, man, I ain't ever seen you before. She's like, oh, this is my first game. So, um, you know, it's just all love. It's part of competition. Like I said, it's part of the performance, it's part of the show, it's part of the NBA. You know, this is what we're here to do. Um, you know, I just, you know, channel my emotions during games, but, you know, it's the same thing that keeps me going through the game. It's just showing my passion and love. Eric Walden. 
JC, what do the Spurs do that's so effective at kind of keeping you guys um, off the three-point line? And then you guys had a lot of success inside it tonight. Uh, you guys were extremely efficient from two-point range. So what what do they do that's that's good at keeping you off it? And then what were your what were your good counters tonight? Um staying home and then uh staying home on all our shooters really. And then really trying to uh, keep Rudy off the glass. I think we've seen that a lot where guys are kind of double team blocking them out. It's almost like you see in football when they like double uh, Aaron McDonald um, when he's, when he's trying to blitz the quarterback, Uh, very similar to that. Um, And, you know, forcing us uh, to finish those shots uh, in the paint over, over guards and stuff like that. But that was, um, you know, we seen teams do that uh, around the league, uh, but I think tonight was uh, our defense really helped us really a lot. You know, hold them under 100 points, I think. Um, well, no, they had 102. They made that late run at the end, but <clears throat> but yeah, just holding them uh, defensively. Jordan, you know, how do you balance the? You know, just uh, the emotion of the game and, and trying to um, trying to keep uh, even enough kill that you execute from play to play, um, you know, and and try to limit mistakes, you know, in games. Like, you know, for example, like, you know, the, the all-around game that you had, right? You know, but you were frustrated for, you know, three possessions and those three possessions where you didn't get back, it led to, right. to, to open corner threes. How do you how do you process all of that and, and try to keep an even kill, you know, while you're doing it? Uh, I mean, timeouts definitely help the stoppage of the game and kind of me getting myself together. But, um, you know, we just got to keep it to you playing. Uh, that's it. It is tough sometimes. Uh, like I said, I, I'm very passionate and uh, very aggressive um, in the game, but, like I said, man, just coming and kind of just leveling myself out. Uh, sometimes just kind of getting off the ball and, you know, letting plays happen, uh, let my teammates make plays and um, kind of re- not relax, but kind of just, you know, feel my way through that through that time when I'm like really hyped up and like super aggressive and like, man, I want to score on them. Um, it's got to be a – it's a thing in, in inside me that I kind of just kind of, uh, you know – really just slow down and take a deep breath and uh, figure it out from there. Okay, we have time for a very quick one. Sarah, follow up. Jordan, we're talking to, to Trent a little bit, and he had he'd mentioned, uh, Donovan mentioned this a couple of weeks ago too, that he has to kind of tell Trent to be more aggressive and to try to get his own at the rim sometimes. Is that something that you guys, I mean, especially with Donovan not playing, that you guys are telling him, like, go ahead and get your, even though he's got a bunch of weapons out there, he knows yeah. that. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially like uh, tonight. I know he he gets to like uh, a lot from me because I'm always Trent, Trent, Trent. But um, you got Son saying and then Joe. We all kind of like, but we do trust him uh, to make the right plays and finish at the rim. You know, he's a long. He does a lot for us on defense. He does a lot for us offensively running the team. Um, but yeah, sometimes you got to keep the defense honest, shoot those floaters. Uh, and keep continuing to play hard. I think he has a, a great game, a great pace to himself. 
Um, that's amazing. It works for us. Uh, you know, tonight he played 20 minutes. He didn't score, but he affected the game so much. Um, you know, every time he kind of passes it to me, I try to shoot it so he get an assist. <laughs> but, yeah, it's great, though. Um, Trent is doing a great job. There is Jordan Clarkson. He led the Jazz in scoring last night, 23 points. But you got to love Jordan grabbing eight boards and also dishing out five assists. Up next, the Jazz will take on the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow night in Portland. No Donovan Mitchell for that game either. It will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. There is the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. 